0: I'm just putting out a public health warning. International Day for me is the best church day calendar day that we have. And this morning I feel like a child on not just a tube of Smarties, but a whole box of Smarties. So if I get a little bit excited this morning, please forgive me, but come with me. Because I think it might be worth it. Um, We're going to start by playing a game before we get to that. Um, if you can stand, please do, if you can't just wave at me so I know it's you and it applies to you. But I want us to see how truly diverse, culturally and linguistically our church truly is. So Stand up if you were born in another country. No. St. Helia does not count as another country. Sorry, darling. Rita, where were you born? Mauritius. Hey, we've got another one, Kieran. Um, Shekinah. India. Yay. Daniel, where were you born? Nigeria. Don't say You've got to say it with a big smile on your face. Nigeria. Okay, thank you. You can sit down. But you need to stay standing if your parents were born in another country. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Davika, where were your parents born? Excellent, thank you. Steve? Uganda. Uganda? I didn't know that. I've learnt something this morning. Inez? No, not Inez. Riazza. Sri Lanka. And Linda. Thank you very much. Sit down. Stand up if you speak another language. And by that, I mean fluently you can hold a conversation and not just see or order a beer or a portion of chips. Tolero, which language can you speak? I can't speak. I can't now, dare I ask, would you greet me in one of your languages? I come. I come. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I come. Okay. Amy, which language can you speak? <laughs> We've just had a whole conversation—British Sign Language or Makaton. British Sign Language, thank you. Um, Samson, which language can you speak? You know I'm going to pick on you now, don't you? So sit down quick if you don't want me to pick on you. Ah, oh, did you see the video at the beginning? We had a Hindi a whole video in Hindi just for you. You need to get here. See, we might be able to play it again later. But um, stand up, if you travelled to another country this year? This year, this year. John, take a pick, you can choose anyone. Which country was your favourite this year to visit? Sorry? Venice, okay, so have you not been to Strasbourg as well? Oh, was that last? Okay, never mind. Um, Are you standing, Ed? And this is not a rude question. (laughs) is it Jessica? Jessica? That's my kind of list. I really like that kind of list. Ethan, where have you been? Portugal watching birds. Yeah, well, we'll pray for you later. Okay, stand up if you regularly pray for another country. Jade, you were right on your feet there. Which country do you pray for? Israel. Excellent. Roz. Yeah. Australia. of course. Connections in Australia. Tabika? Excellent. Amy. So are you World? Yeah. Yeah. Operation World, if you don't know, is a fantastic way of finding out what good's doing in the world. Lucy, which countries? Australia, America and the Philippines. That's where the family is. And Rita. If you don't know, I hope you've been watching people standing up. If you don't know these things about people, over lunch, go and chat to them and find out some more. Okay? Thank you. You can all sit down now. I'll let you all off. As I've just said, I love this day in the the calendar. And when Steve asked me if I would speak, it was like... (laughs) Child at Christmas. Sorry, Steve. Um, Because over my lifetime, I've got an understanding and I've seen a glimpse of God's heart for the nations. And he's put a little bit of that into my heart. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. So as you're watching, have a look because you may see a few familiar faces of which I don't think any are here. Because I didn't ask them. If you're listening, I did ask. So I want to start by asking the question, where is your mission field? I'm really finishing off the series that we've just looked at in Acts. Um, Going through Acts, looking at Paul's missionary journeys. And if I could have dinner with anybody from the Bible, it would be Paul. Because I would want to talk to him about those adventures. I would want to see... And he knew where his mission field was. He knew that his mission field, to him, was the known world at the time. And he did what he could to go. Now, before I go any further, I'm going to say to you kids, there's going to be some action for you to join in with. But whilst you're waiting for me to get to that bit, it won't take me long, I've got some paper and pens down here. I'd really like you to draw around your hands and on each of your fingers, write and tell me something that you could do that would be helpful. Okay? So if you'd like to come and do that while I'm just talking. Um, but you've got to listen as well because you want to know when you, it's your time. Just stand here. When I was 16, I got, um, felt God very clearly call me to mission overseas. And the church I grew up in had missionaries in Thailand. And one time when I was praying, God gave me a picture of me washing the floor of the house of Mark and Angela, the the people that were in Thailand. I'd never seen their house, but it was what I thought it looked like. And with the picture came these words, not to be served, but to serve, from Mark 10. Mark and Angela had to have a teacher for their two schoolboys. And I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And at 16, in naive in my faith, I had this thought that I would be their school teacher. And I was devastated the year after when they came back and didn't need a teacher because I thought that was my answer to what God had said. And that was the only way God could use me. And I had to learn a lot through that. Out of it came a real love for children of missionaries. Because they were there as a result of their parents' calling. And I really felt them. I really had a heart to pray for missionaries' kids, wherever in the world they were. And it was this interest in the missionary kids that enabled me to go on my first long-term mission trip. In 1993, I went to live in Indonesia to homeschool two boys whose parents were members at Queen's Road Church in Wimbledon. They were were Bible translators, and they'd started translating the New Testament from Indonesian into a tribal language, specifically working with Wano people. Now, we lived in Jayapura, which is the um, arrow on the right. Go back a minute, John, sorry. And we had to take a two-hour plane journey to the second arrow, which is where we stayed. It was a two-day trek, or um, a a day's journey by river to the nearest village. And so we were quite isolated. We only went a few times. We lived in Jayapura for most of the time, but it was an experience that I will never forget. We lived mostly in that part. This is Irian Jaya. It's now called Papua. And in preparation for my journey, many people had given me gifts. And one of the things that lots of people gave me were biographies of missionaries that had worked there through the um, 60s and 70s when this country was first open to the gospel. One of those books left an impression on my heart I will never forget. And it opened my eyes afresh to God's created order and his plan for salvation. The book was called Peace Child by Don Richardson. And it tells of his experiences reaching the Sawi tribe. that were at war with a neighbouring country. That uh, neighbouring tribe. They'd been at war for many years. And Don and Carol Richardson were the first people to make outside contact with this tribe. They really struggled to find a way of sharing God's love with them. There was no concept of God in the, in the culture. Until one day they heard a story from the Sa'i culture where the only way that real peace could be given was the chief of one of the tribes giving his eldest son to the chief of the other tribe as a peace offering. And the reason it worked was because the tribe that had given the son didn't want to put the son's life in danger. So it preserved peace. And Don and Carol Richardson saw this as a way to explain exactly what God did through Jesus. He gave his son as that peace offering. Don went on to write another book called Eternity in Their Hearts, which is about lots of different people groups from the remotest parts of the world And he discovered that God had prepared a place for the gospel by having something within their culture that was a way for the gospel to be shared. There has never yet been a culture, tribe or people group discovered where there isn't a way in with the gospel through something that they have innately in their culture, through stories or through traditions. God's prepared a place in every culture so far known to man. And in revelations I alluded to it earlier. It says that there'll be re- representatives from every people group, tribe and tongue before the throne of God. But that means every tribe needs to hear the gospel first. If they can't if they haven't heard it, how can they respond to it? And the global church are the ones responsible. But guess what river church we are part of that global church. Isn't that amazing? That God's got a worldwide plan for these people groups that nobody's ever visited, and yet we are part of that plan. I told i get excited. I wasn't a direct missionary to the Wano tribe, but in serving the family and teaching their children, I enabled Corrie and Wim to go and translate the Bible, and eventually they finished the whole Bible. Which resulted many in that tribe becoming Christians. And as I've been preparing for this, I just Googled Wano tribe and found another American family that had taken their four boys and used the prepared scriptures, which Korean women translated, and reached the Wano tribe as a whole, not just the village where we were, but wider and further afield. Using the scriptures. That's what excites me. That is so exciting to me that God can use just us in what we do if we open ourselves up to what he's got for us. That's another tribe, people group, added to that throne room of God. And, yeah. (laughs) Through my teen years, I spent the summer holidays taking part in short-term mission trips in the UK with an organisation where Jonathan Conrath, for those of you that know him, was part and one of the worship leaders, Um, one of the other guys that was part of the team is a guy called Robin and he had a real infectious love for mission and he was constantly going to different places and one of those trips Robin felt the need to call me and tell me about the time that he'd had he shared how he'd never met a group of people like him and this group and if I ever got the opportunity to go I needed to go because I would fall in love with this people group well, he'd just returned from three weeks in the Philippines. As many of you will know, I took Robin at his word, and in 1997 went on my first mission trip to the Philippines. He was right. I did fall in love with the nation and ended up marrying one. Um, just to explain, the group in the top right... Um, One of the jobs that I had was starting um, an adult Bible training centre for pastors that couldn't afford to go to Bible training college. And I'd just finished a two-year training with New Frontiers, and I'd done a theology degree before with a teaching degree, and I took all of my experience and knowledge and went out and set up the curriculum and started this Bible school. And there were people from the church that physically paid for the building, which is how Baldwin and I met, because he came and helped me decorate it. So paintbrushes live very happily in our hands, because it's very happy memories. But they were the first six students, if you'll recognise Heather in there as well. She came out to visit me, and we took her for a a 5am barbecue on the beach, um, which was really great. Bottom left are Baldwin's family, and the top picture was of a place we visited where some of the poorest people in the world live at the base of one of the largest rubbish dumps, and they go into the rubbish dump daily, they collect what they can to utilize and to use, and their faces just emanate love and smiles wherever you go. They don't think about their physical circumstances. It's just an incredible place to be. And although what you see and what you smell isn't necessarily great. Their hearts and what you experience is so much bigger. Um, it's incredible. What God's shown me through this chapter in life is that not only has God prepared a place in each culture for Him, but He's prepared a place in our hearts. ...for a particular group of people. Do you know who your group of people are? For me, it's a whole area of the world. I've got a map on my living room wall now. And it's of Southeast Asia. That's my area of the world that I pray for. They're the people groups. They're the area, that's the area of the world that God has laid on my heart. For you, it might be a nation. It might be a group in society... It might be a group in your workplace or at the school gate or in your family or community, such as the homeless. When we discover our people group, when we discover who it is that God's asked us to pray for, we need to befriend them, find ways of sharing the gospel with them, find out about who they are, and get them to know them better. God had a special people for himself. Right through the Old Testament, we see how God shows his love to the Israelites. If it was good enough for God, it's good enough for us. He protects them. He raises leaders to lead them according to his ways. He strengthens them. He loved them through men such as Abraham and Moses and Isaiah. The Israelites knew God's heart for them because they were able to share what God had done for them. Who are you and Abraham to? Who are you leading through a wilderness like Moses did. Who are you sharing God's heart with like the prophets did through the Old Testament? The Gospels close with this in Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you all the end of the age. We're encouraged to reach out to the nations. However, it's a daunting task when we think about how how big the world is. So I want us to look at a story that Jesus told that might give us a clue as to how we can start. So I need some volunteers for this part. Come on then. I think I've got a group of thugs here. Come here. Group of thugs. Thank you. Come on, you volunteered? Come on. Great. I need another volunteer. Ethan, can I use you? Come on then. No. Here. Ethan, can you go and stand at the top of the stairs for me? Oh, could you do me a favour? Could you come with me? Can you go and stand over there for me? Can you go and stand with him? Do you want to be a helper? Can you go and sit on that chair for me? I'm going to call you in a minute. there. Because Jesus told this story. Somebody had asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the rich man said, love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. And he went, yep, you've answered that right. Do it and you'll live. But the guy wanted to try and catch Jesus out. He said, so, who's my neighbour? So Jesus told him this story in response. One day there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the path, a group of bandits attacked him, carefully. Ah. They stripped him of his clothes. They robbed him, they beat him, and they went on their way, leaving him half dead on the ground. They went on their way. A priest happened to be walking by. He looked at him and crossed over to the other side of the road because he wanted nothing to do with him and carried on on his journey. So too a Levite came, looked, saw him and passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came and saw where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds. (laughs) He poured oil and wine on them. And he took him to the nearest inn. Help him up. Pick him up. Help him up. come here he took him to the local inn and he said take care of this man and i'll give you the money to look after him so he did and the man stayed and got better with the innkeeper and the samaritan went off on his journey was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. The expert replied, the one who had had mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies. They did not get on with one another. But this parable encourages us to cross over barriers of culture and community and go and do likewise. We're called to be a compassionate people ...reflecting on how God has shown his compassion on us. I was really challenged recently by a response of the Grenfell Tower fire. The community came out to support. When the politicians didn't want to take responsibility for the budget cuts... ...the bureaucrats have all resigned over the situation... They remind me of the priest and the Levite that did nothing to help. And yet it was the local community that walked into the lives of those that had lost everything, just like the Samaritan. One of the saddest stories I heard through all of this was of a little girl who'd been in the class of a friend of mine last year. She and all of her family died in the fire, except for the youngest sister who was six. That young sister needed her neighbours. They needed to take care of her. We've all got neighbours around us, physical neighbours, as well as those that we're in contact with that may be further away. If you're not sure where your mission field starts, start with your neighbour. If you're unsure about Where to start with sharing your faith? Pray like Don and Carol Richardson did for the key to that person's heart. If you find your neighbours difficult, pray for them, asking God to give you a love for them so that they become part of your mission field. God wants to grow the love for them in you. As you respond to God calling you to love them, I'm going to finish with two pictures. These photos hang in my dining room as a reminder that although I'm not in Southeast Asia at the moment, I'm still on a mission. The first is of a man I once saw as I was driving through the Philippines. His paddy field of rice was as far as the eye can see. But he was the only worker in that field. There was him and his sickle. If he didn't do that harvest, nobody else would. If he didn't gather that rice, it would be lost. Scripture tells us in Luke 10, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Have you ever thought that you may be the only worker in your harvest field? If you don't do it, who will? The second picture is what I like to think of as a prophetic picture of what God wants to do through each of us. It's by a Filipino artist. Artist of the miraculous catch of fish. For each of us, God wants us to pray for and experience a miraculous catch, and we've got to believe that God will do it. We are His fishers of men. That is the job He's called us to. We're going to spend a short time praying for the nations, and what I'd like to do is pass two baskets down. Now, I'm hoping this works. It will. In the baskets is the world map in tiny pieces. You may be able to take one piece that's got one country, or you might take a piece that's got a number of different countries. If for the minute we can take one per family, and we'll work it that way, Um, there are lots of smaller pieces. The bigger ones have kind of come to the top. But what I'd like us to do is take a country, and it doesn't matter which one, and pray for that country. Pray for the established church that's in that country already. Pray for a greater effectiveness of the gospel as they share the gospel. But also pray for the economic stability of that country and their international relationships. We've seen the G20 this week and how international relationships with countries like North Korea are very fragile at the moment. If you've got countries that are part of that, pray for those countries. And then take them home. I don't want them back. Take them home. Use them as a bookmark. Find out more about that country. Find out more about the church in that country. See if you can find names of people in that country that you can pray for. And you never know where this might lead. We're going to spend short time praying. If you, for whatever reason, don't get a country or there's a particular country you've already got on your heart, the world map is there for you to see if you don't know where your country is. See if you can find it, maybe. We're all gonna stand together and pray out loud for these countries, so that we're all involved, okay? And then I will give you a thumbs up to play the video when we've done the praying, okay? How far have we got? Excellent. When you've got your country, if you'd like to stand, And we're going to cry out to God for the nations of the world together. Father, I thank you that your heart is towards the nations of the world. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is a a spirit that um, is present in these nations. Father, we pray that for each nation that we've named this morning, that we've talked about, for the flags that we have represented behind me. Father, I thank you that that is all part of your plan for salvation that you died for each of these nations, people, groups, tribes and tongues, and that there will be representatives in heaven um, on the the, the day of judgment. Father, thank you that we can be part of that. And Lord, as we pray for these countries and as you um, speak to our hearts about where our mission field is, Father, I thank you that each of us have a mission field, that you've got somewhere for each of us to harvest. Father, if we're not sure where that... mission field is at this time, if we're not sure where our harvest field is, Father, show us. As Open our eyes to, to what it is and where it is and the people that you have for us to pray for and to minister to and to share your gospel with. Come and open our eyes to your kingdom and what it is that you want to and help us to be good neighbours. Help us to be, just as that Samaritan did, helpful to those in need and supportive of those that need our physical and um, help. Lord, thank you that you can use us in so many different ways. Father, come and have your way amongst us as a church as we are part of that global church to reach the nations. In Jesus' name, amen.